Hello and welcome to episode 170 of The Game Pit, a podcast about modern tabletop gaming. My name's Ronan and I've got company. Who's this stranger? You've stolen my bit. Am I, am I now just a guest? Is that what it is? Mm, what would you call an unwelcome guest when you don't want to be too <laughs> impolite about them? <laughs> Parasite. <laughs> Did you watch it, by the way? I didn't. Not yet. Not yet. I'm going to watch Shock it. Soon. Shock it. Parasite's just been on UK TV. Uh, I've been telling everyone to watch it. I watched it recently. It's a good film. Anyway, apart from that short, it's not a film podcast, is it? Well, it could be. <laughs> we can branch out, I'm sure. Okay, go on then. Have you seen any good films recently? Uh, I saw a very mediocre film, the new James Bond, which I know oh. for a fact that you've seen too. <laughs> I'm not dissing James Bond. I don't need the hate mail. That shot's Coward. fired from a water PPK. No, um, uh, I had reservations about it. Yeah, I didn't think it was all that. I thought it was overwrought nonsense. Oh wow, that's that's a leap from not all that. I thought it climbed. <laughs> It climbed up itself a little there bit. Were, it was a little bit moments. Like... There were moments in there. I thought, oh, that's, that's cool. That was a cool chase scene. That was a cool whatever fight scene. But then it kind of, yeah. The villain. The villain would just appear out of nowhere. There was no sort of, <laughs> there was no sense to like, it was, well, suddenly he's there. And he's like, whoa, where would you come from? Why are you still there? Why is he all still on the base? Why? He was just, he, the villain himself was so clearly a MacGuffin to get to the emotional beats that they wanted Bond to hit. You know, it was all very manipulative. I thought, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. Anyway, you've got me moaning about it when I said I wasn't going to moan about ah, it. <laughs> it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. That's, let's just go that far. Right. Okay. So, actually, talking about what we're here to talk about, uh, I came up with. Well, you you forced my hand. You said I didn't force anything. 10. You're you're an angry man. I don't know what you've done. <laughs> you said come up with a top ten, or I will cut you. So I came okay. Up with well, that the top did happen. 10. Yeah, and and uh, so we are going to be doing the top ten most overrated games. So yeah, this one could cause a few arguments in the pit. We'd make it clear it's your idea. You wanted to do this. You're willing to take on all the hate mail. <laughs> you know what? Just looking ahead at my list, there are, are games on this list that I really don't think are bad games and actually no 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 No, I knew you were going to do this I knew you were going to provise and be like it doesn't mean they're bad games no no you have put them on the top 10 most overrated stick to your guns no I've got one game on here that I think is a very good game and it's in my collection not very good game it's a good game and it's in my collection and it's not going out of my collection anytime soon you know you're going to have to justify that selection when we get to it, whatever it is. I am going to justify it. I know, and I probably won't do it very well, and I will get shouted at. This is shot. This is not a strong way to enter a top ten. You know, <laughs> after your gloomhaven fiasco, I thought you'd be you'd have learned. <laughs> you got as much guff as I did, Spirit Island. Spirit Island's a deck builder. All right, <laughs> I'm not having this. At least Spirit I Island's admitted my mistake. Oh yeah, I forgot. We just we we're just discussing how you're never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, they, if the cap fits. Uh, okay, in terms of putting this top 10 together, I looked at BGG rankings in terms of rating. I'll take that as the higher up they are, the more generally rated. And we all know there's a problem with that. It's skewed. It's more towards heavy games, whatever. But that's what I took as. So the higher up the ranking it is, the more likely I am to have put it higher up my list towards number one. I definitely did use the rankings to sort of 
add weight to my argument. I didn't do it as scientifically as that, but uh, I definitely used the rankings in some of my games. Okay, right. Should we just kick straight into this and just start off with the rounds? Let's do it. Okay, my number 10... I, I don't know, were you going to shout at me or not? It was at the time I put my list together, which was a couple of weeks ago. It was the number 20 on the rankings, and it's Nemesis. <gasps> yeah. <Get> okay. <laughs> why? Well, it's ranked number 20, all right? That's why it's made this list, because that is a very, very high ranking. And Nemesis is fun. But it's fun in like a nostalgic 80s game fun way in that there's stuff that's going to happen there that no one could foresee. There's such a different amount of, of, of combinations of factors that can come into play. It gets so chaotic and random that sometimes that's going to create really fun moments. But a lot of the time it's not. To me, and look, this is me judging other people, so you know that's always a dodgy place to go. I feel like people are rating this on the highs they've hit with the game rather than how consistently they're having fun with it because there's a lot of lows and there's a lot of... This This game could be over in half an hour from nothing we can do or I can just be pushed back to the beginning without even... And the goals can conflict each other and not work well between the players and there's very often there's this game doesn't go well. But people are sort of, I think, looking at it through rose-tinted spectacles and going... I just remember the good moments and that's why I feel like I have to give it a high ranking because it can be good and I want it to be good and I'd like it to be good. I'm not convinced Nemesis is that good of a game and certainly not good enough to be number 20 ever. I kind of... I do. No, I absolutely... I do get where you're coming from and I kind of agree with you, but like with games like Dead of Winter, which uh, which I think at the time you called them fragile games and uh, they have that sort of fragility about them. This one, I kind of do forgive it, the misses, because the hits are so high. Uh, it's it's not a 20. It's not it's not number 20. It's, um, I would put it somewhere in the top 100, but not 20. I think it's a very good game. It's very atmospheric. It's very thematic. I think it... It delivers that alien experience in everything but name, and I think it does it very well, probably half the time. And you're absolutely right, occasionally you just get those misses where just everything goes wrong quickly, or the the goals don't quite match up for most of the players, and one player gets an easy ride. So yeah, I do see what you mean, but I still absolutely adore Nemesis. I think it's a fantastic experience, or can be. But if you're telling me that half of all the games it goes a bit wrong, yeah, I get what you're saying. But, but, you, yeah, but you are the the one person who I know who will rate a game like this highly. We talked about this before, whereby if it can produce highs, that's where you'll look at it and you'll be like, no, but it can be amazing. So therefore, I'm going to rank it high. Whereas I'm more of a miserable git, and I'm like, <laughs> it needs to be a bit more consistent than Nemesis is for yeah. me to to really, you know, give it a high I- rating. I think that's the the key word there for me is amazing. It has to be amazing when it goes well. Good, good doesn't cut the mustard. Right. What doesn't cut the mustard as your number ten? <laughs> what doesn't cut? The, I I thought about not putting this in because this game is in it very self a marmite game, but because you are on the podcast with me, I had to do it. So I shoved in at number ten, Sentinels of the Multiverse. Uh, I say it's a marmite game because. 
it really does have its detractors. It, it really, <laughs> there's plenty of people. You go you. through the comments. No, it doesn't have its detractors. You. No, there are many. Go through the comments. A lot of people hate this game. Hate it. And a lot of people love it. It's sitting only at 7.2, which for for such a, a big game that a lot of people love isn't isn't the highest and it's it's still in the top 500 so that's why i thought oh should i put it in but i just thought it'd be funny because i don't like you very much so sentinels and multiverse greater than games start with the fiddliness of it loads to keep track of takes you out of the game just the upkeep becomes absolutely tedious I don't like the bar, the artwork, the bar work. I don't like the bar work or the Homer work, but the artwork either. I just think it looks cheap and tacky. Looks, it's dated. I know they've gone for that look. I get it, but we've moved on from that look. There are there are pretty games out there. There are pretty comic book games that just blow it out of the water artwork wise. I think you've got certainly when I've played it, a load of useless or obvious turns with basic choices that are just not excited. The game I find is repetitive. I think it is one-dimensional, do damage, take your damage, do damage, and then it's like, I'm going to call this one doing your taxes the game, because that's what it feels like when I'm playing it. Off you go, I know we, we know you love it, tell us why I'm wrong. I can't believe how brummy you just said that. <laughs> I that was incredible. More Can we talk about your accent before we talk about Sense of the Mighty <laughs> There's some of those criticisms are valid, such as the overheads, such as certain heroes within combinations being less active than others and just having to be the passive one that, especially as you get some more advanced villains, some people will just have to discard their card or not take their turn or not use powers this turn in order to get over a stumbling block of an environment or a villain. And for that particular player, if they're just focused on what they're doing by themselves, then it can be really a boring turn for them and even a boring game because they've taken on that role of my hero doesn't suit this setup as well as you guys do. So I will be least effective most turns. So I'm going to take the hit of I'll be the one discarding and I'll be the one. You have to enjoy the overall cooperative nature. Now, I'm not saying that I want to sit there being the one being the boring hero every time. I can take on those criticisms and they overhears, like I said, the app helps a lot with that. I play it more on the app than I do with the actual cards nowadays. The other criticisms like it's always the same, it's one-dimensional, all it's about is taking damage and doing damage are absolute and utter nonsense. That can only come from very shallow plays where people haven't really dug in and understood the twos and the throws. And the genius of the game is that you do get pulled in different directions and, and things will throw you off and you are going to have to prioritise and that prioritisation is difficult. But it's much more about... The reason I think it's, it's got a huge stumbling block is that you have to understand everyone's role. And when everyone can be different heroes and the Ryo can be different and the villain can be different, it's very difficult to suddenly get into... How, what, what's my role here? What am I supposed to do? Because it can change depending upon the whole balance of the game. So I can understand it being Marmite, but to say that it's one-dimensional is nonsense and therefore your choice is invalid. <laughs> How many times Rachel played this with you? Not very many. <laughs> How many times has Eddie played it with me? Yeah, because you brainwashed her from a young age. Exactly. See, that's good parenting, that is. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're number nine. My number nine was 174 on the BGG rankings not so long ago, and it is Coimbra. Now, 
<laughs> There's going to be sharp intakes. I've gone for big hitters here. There's no small name games on here. Why specifically Quenbra? I'll tell you why. Because it is the illusion of choice. It presents itself as this uh, multi-layered strategic game with depth, whereby there are different tracks you can go up. There are multiple paths to victory. You've got a genuine choices of what you can do. You're going to go exploring those lands. You're going to pump up your income. What are you are going to do? Forget that. Go around the map in the middle. That 15% of the game is actually 95% of the game. And if you do not do that well, you will not win the game. And all the other tracks and all the other nonsense and everything else, all the dice allocation, forget about it. It's just noise because they are all there to supplement how well you play that tiny little monastery map in the middle of the board. And that is the whole game. And the rest of it is all noise around the outside. And that's why I think it's overrated. The illusion of choice in Coimbra when really it's a very tight little fight over something in the middle. I can't really come back at you because it's so long ago since I played Coimbra I remember really enjoying it so I'm pretty sure you're wrong I just can't tell you exactly why you're wrong well just accept I'm right then and move on and just give me your number nine that's cool Never. I'm fine with that <laughs> I'm fine that's what we should do just admit I'm right you're full right talking about Hig- Higbitters what is wrong with me today talking you've about got a Higbitters. few things but they go after this Higbitter will you go on <laughs> talking about big hitters is it a slam grab offer you the 21st ranked game so one behind oh, Nemesis oh. on the BGG rankings and the darling of many Wingspan from Stonemaier Games I like Wingspan I think it's a fine game I enjoy playing it I don't understand the absolute frenzy for it you see it everywhere people getting rows about it because they, of defending it, as you well know, Mr. Rice. And I just, it's a good game. It's not breathtaking. It's not earth-shattering. It's a luck-driven card game. I think it's overproduced for what it is. For me, it's a filler game. But the way you hear people talking about it and the fact it's sitting at number 21 in the BGG rankings, it just... Mm, doesn't doesn't hold water for me, so that's why I think Wingspan is overloved. Overloved? Oh, I mean, you could have said overrated because it's the name. You thought you picked that up? <laughs> Over embraced. Over cuddled. <laughs> Molly cuddled as a cat. <laughs> so I have defended Wingspan in the past, despite not giving it a very high rating. And I saw it, and I thought thought about it, but it's not on my list. So there you go, there's that much. For the sake that it does feel like kicking a puppy, because it, it is gorgeous looking. I might not love that company, but it is gorgeous looking. They make good, they make physically good games, and it has brought a lot of people into the hobby. And it is not about orcs and weird things. So people who would never touch games that we love will play Wingspan and they're playing compared to other mass because this is now a mass market game it is way 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 better than the usual rubbish that people pick up and buy and i know that people are then from there going oh i'm buying pandemic and buying maybe splendor and maybe games that we don't think are the greatest games ever but are so much better than the games they would usually be buying that i find it difficult to attack wingspan because it's acted as sort of like a an embassy 
it's a people to say, please stop buying the same rubbish games that you don't actually enjoy that much and start looking at some of these other ones which have got, you know, a bit more innovation and something more to them. So I didn't pick it. I understand why you picked it, but it's a bit mean. I think all those reasons that you just said are the smokescreen that that people kind of throw up, which is fine. And it does do all those things. And it's a very important game. I get all of that. It's just not, in its in, in itself, as a game, it's not as good as 21 in the BGG rankings. But there we go. I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll t- but, but, yeah, you know, I've got the whole thing about rating the game for what it is. You know what I mean? But but I haven't rated it very highly, so I can't defend it too much. <laughs> <So> just, <laughs> right. My number eight is another Euro that is one of these with many, 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 many steps to get one foot. <laughs> and it's Teotihuacan. It's number right. 72 in the rankings. It is the absolute shining example of of a, a newer style of strategy game, which is, I want to do this one thing. I want to move up on that track. Here's the 17 things you need to do in order to actually get somewhere. And you're going to be having 300 turns over the course of this game. And every little turn is one more incremental tick towards where you want to go. It's not the style of game that I enjoy. By all means, lots of people think they do enjoy it. I'm going to say you don't. You just occupy. It's like it's. It's just. I'm just doing something. It's like the grown-up version of of Century, the the fidget spinner. This is like a fidget spinner with thirty moving things. So if your brain prefers to be clicking off lots of things at once, then then great. But you're not actually getting anywhere or doing anything. It just takes a very, very, very long time. And I, oh, this, I, I surprised at seventy-two because I'm surprised there's a big enough audience that would actually enjoy it. And something I reference quite a lot, I think maybe this is pushed up the rankings by snobbery, whereby you're like, "Oh, this is one of the games that's respected by proper gamers." So therefore, I don't want to underrate it because then people will think I'm thick. Well, a lot of people think I'm thick, and I can accept that. I underrate the other I can because I just don't enjoy it. And when I look at people playing it. And when I talk to people, there's there's not that many people say they really like the game. They're like, yeah, it's all right. It was three hours of doing stuff. Yeah, that's what it is. Tear to work on three hours of doing stuff. Nah, not for me. You think you like it, but you don't. I'm telling them I'm right and they're wrong. <laughs> I, the old it's arrogance the... ramped up to ten there, old bean. I don't know whether I get I was a ten, that's barely a four. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm saying is I think people are sometimes reluctant to say, Oh no, I don't think it's a very good game because of how they'll be viewed or they think this it's like one of those things you should like because it, do you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. That I think people look at it and go, really, I didn't have that much fun, but but it, you know, it was very thinking, strategic. Oh, I better give it an eight because those are the sort of games that get eights rather than just give it the five if you didn't really love it. Just go for it. <laughs> I'm giving the world permission to give these games fives. You've gone rampant in the pit. I've been away too long. You like you like it when I'm rampant. <laughs> we still haven't talked about the 28 you gave one of the games in the last episode. Nortillion, we could talk it? about it if you want. I'll tell you what, I'll make you play it and then you can tell me what your rating would be. I <laughs> I you, I you, gave you some props there. That artwork is shocking. It is shocking, but all of them are. But anyway, okay, uh, I haven't played Tehotihuacan. I own it uh, because I don't believe you, so I'm going to give it a go. 
with the full you own it you because wrong. you heard it was a heavy euro that people liked and you're like oh I'm a proper gamer I better buy it then so I'm a proper, proper gamer now I've got this I heard that other people liked it and you didn't like <laughs> it, so that's usually the go ahead <laughs> well but do you know what go ahead and play it I, do it and I, I would, dare with you with an open mind and I would, I, would, I would truthfully tell you if it's any good or not okay implying that I'm lying I've got some agenda, but whatever. Which <laughs> <laughs> Your agenda against all games beginning with T. <sighs> Speaking of which, you like my segue here. Through oh, the ages, the story of civilization <laughs> from CEG. Easy. Ranked number fifty-nine, so we're still in the top hundred. This game is. Exactly what you just described to Hoti Wakan as lots of step for not a lot of uh, reward. Loads of downtime in this. So much, especially as the game goes on and people's civilizations get bigger and bigger and bigger. You're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. There are much better Civ games out there. We've talked about Clash of Cultures in the show before. Ronan's a big fan of uh, Civilization, the new one. Uh, that's come out there is nations all better than this again i'm going back to the admin it's, it's one of my pet peeves i really don't like admin and there's tons of admin on this and given the amount of time that you're investing in this beast of a game there's relatively little interaction there's little bits and pieces here and here and there where you take a card of someone or what have you but i just too much faff for too little reward. It's okay. I don't hate it as a game. But really it's not a 59 game. It's really not. And that's through the ages. In my opinion. So. I think the app. Which is very popular. Has kept the ranking of this game up. Certainly this is the second version. Of the, the new whatever it is. And I think that's what's kept it up towards the top. Because I think it's a hard game to love. I've only played it a couple of times and I, I have owned it for a long time. And I've always said, I'm going to sit down, Rachel and I, and we're going to play that a few times and get our heads around it and really get to enjoy it. And I never have. And Rachel's played the app a few times and she hasn't fallen in love with it. So it, the, I'm reluctant to kick it because I feel like I should love it. See, I'm doing what I accuse other people of doing for can <laughs> but I have never loved it. So uh, f- for about maybe... 12 years I've, I've held pending judgment on this game <laughs> it's in it's in gamer purgatory I, I don't know I, I I can see everything you're saying apart from the interaction because when I played I definitely got a kick in for not keeping oh, up okay, fair enough. I think that this one maybe like had its day a few years back before those better civilizations games came out and maybe at that point it was the best one on the market and people were craving for it and i think maybe a bit of nostalgia and it is one of those deep games maybe as you say a little bit of snobbery in there uh, probably and as you said again the app coming in has probably kept it higher than it maybe should have so yeah i just don't see it okay my number seven you've heard me moan about this before it's Ranked 22 at the time, so I decided to show is a feast for Odin. What? 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 <laughs> what was that? What, what you, is it? An alarm? You go, girl. A Viking alarm. <laughs> I understand the appeal of feast for Odin. I genuinely do, and I enjoy 
the majority of the game. I think there are probably a few too many options available. There's an awful lot going on. It's a hell of a lot to get your head round. What I hate about it is the scoring mechanism and the tedium and the fact that it really, really, really slows down. You're trying to put polyominoes down to cover areas that have made, been made specifically difficult and awkward. So they, they've made the game hard. Not the game, the scoring hard to do, which is a very strange thing to me to be like, well, I've done all the hard work to work out my puzzle to get my engine to, towards the end, collect something like four and a half thousand different shaped polyominoes this turn and now i've got to sit here and fit them into all these different boards that are oddly shaped and trying to go around things and surround things and and it's just tedious and it's a lot of work just to get your engine going and when to put cards down and where to go and what to concentrate on and should i hunt and should i raid to then put on another bit of hard work tedium is too much for me and Feast for Odin, it just drags on and on and on. And I wish you just could just score points and, and move on because I've worked hard enough to get the points. Don't make me work hard enough to score them. Feast for Odin for me is half an almost good game. In oh, okay. Hold on. Half a quarter <laughs> of a cow. Half a quarter. And I say that because when you start learning this game, and you were kind enough to teach me this game, and I started learning, you started, well, okay, well, so you do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And I go, oh, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, okay, so I've got to keep that going. I've got to feed the people. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. But then you got to do this, this and this. All right, oh, oh, that's a bit daunting. And then you got to do this and this and this and this. And, this. and I'm like, okay, right. I'm, I'm starting to check out here because that's just too much. And then you introduce the scoring. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's so open and so tight at the same time. And it just didn't make sense to me. And I, I'm not... A big fan of polyominoes anyway, but this one just seemed unfair, too wide open. I just, with everything else piled on top of it, it just baffled me <laughs> completely. I don't think I'm intelligent enough to play this game, and for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> you know, for a man who claims not to like polyomino games, you buy an awful lot of. I do. Games. I was thinking that the other day. I keep. I've said that statement. At least three or four times in the, in the last couple of months. I don't like polyominoes games, but I've bought this. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you need to have a little look at yourself there. I probably That's do. That's what I'm going to say. What's your number seven? My number seven, and it's a kid's game, so apologies. It was the Kinderspiel de Jarez winner from 2018. It's Dragon's Breath from Haber. In the kiddie game market, this one made a lot of waves people loved it like loads of people i know love it and it's not even a game you effectively stack up some rings you put these little crystals into the rings and you pull one ring off at a time and the crystals fall and if your color falls then you get to pick it up but if it goes down the hole then you don't get to pick it up and the whole game is just trying to take the ring off so that your crystals fall off that's it. That's the Kinderspiel de Jara's winner for 2018. What? It's just a crap experiment in watching stuff fall to see where it goes. I've never understood this. I've played it with James. James was like, that's really boring, Dad. I don't understand. And I'm like, I know. That's my rant over. Dragon's Breath. Awful. Cool. There you go. My number six. <laughs> <laughs> It's number 200 
in the rankings. If they're high in the rankings, don't forget, you know, as in low in the rankings, and it means I like them less. Okay, good. I, I explained that very well. It's role player. I used to love making role playing game characters. My brother had a closet full of different systems that I'd pull out, make some Golden Ages superheroes, make some RuneQuest, D&D, Call of Cthulhu. I used to constantly make characters and then make dungeons or make scenarios and never actually play them. I just like doing it, strange child. So you'd think roleplay would be right up there, but it's like 90 minutes of just making a character, of just colour matching really, really obviously. Like, there's, there's nothing clever. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm trying to get as close to 18 as possible. And, yeah, there were different goals. But, again, there's nothing subtle to it. There's nothing interesting. It's just, here's what you've got to do. Can you do it or not? Nothing changes. I'm not mixing up. I'm not really interacting with anyone else. I'm just putting dice on my own little thing by myself, playing a little solitaire game that, really, if it took 20 minutes, I might like it a lot. But it doesn't take 20 minutes. I know now they've got the stories thing, whatever, where you start trying to do something with that character. But how long then does that will that take? I don't know. I can't talk about that. But for the role player itself, it just felt like it was a, a clever idea, a nice little gimmick that was just stretched out and out and out and out to the point of breaking of, I'm not having fun anymore. It's just a really, it should be a really quick game, and it's not. It's just far, far too long. And why it's so highly rated? Is it nostalgia? Is it because people want it to be something more because you're not interacting with each other so you know what fun are you having i'm just puzzled by the whole role player thing is no number six overrated for me I, i'm not no no just no <laughs> i'm with you i'm with you on this one it just didn't make much sense to me everything you said was, was is absolutely correct i didn't like this at all you gave me your copy of the game and I quickly traded it on because I just did not get on with it. So I was quite disappointed because I was quite excited about it as well. So Yeah, same, go. same, same, same. Probably that lingering disappointment effect so we think about it. But there you go. Your six. My number six is Parks from Keymaster Game. Parks, again, was one that quite excited me. Uh, it was drawn in by, like I usually am, by the gorgeous art, and it is absolutely beautiful. The art on this, and what you get in the box is really a, quite a paper thin and rather boring game. It's, it's got this push your luck mechanism that doesn't work because there's no real incentive to do anything. The only real incentive is to sort of push ahead and try and claim one of the parks cards, and then you pay your resources at the end. Uh, to, to bring that into your sort of uh, scoring pile. But even the parks cards are so varied in themselves. Like you, you very rarely get two people going for the same thing. And it's just so much random stuff there. You've got card drawers and set collections. It's all random. Very little real decisions being made. And this one came out with such a big bang that everyone was raving about it for a while. And I just, I, well, I don't understand why. Beautiful, but only on the outside. And that's Parks for me. To be honest, mate, I never got caught up in the, as we discussed, never got caught up in the hype at all. I, I, just, I don't know why. <laughs> I never played it, but I've never had any interest. I've read the rule book and gone. And then you've told me about it. Other people told me about it. And I've gone that reads and sound very interesting. There's another one that reminds me a bit of like Takedo. 
Like, yeah, I never played Takaido. I think there was more to it. I think there was more to Takaido even. But when I played it, I'm like, this is okay. But people were raving about it. And it's just, you're going along and picking some stuff up. And it's like, I want that. I don't want that. So I'm going to go there and get that. Yeah, mm. That's from the outside what Parks reminded me of. And Takaido is beautiful as well. Maybe, maybe people just want to look at pretty things, which is fine. I want to look at pretty things too. That's why I have Sean's face up on my screen. <laughs> All times. I know, Sean, that I am on solid ground here, and I also know that I can't go on for too long or we'll be under some sort of a, a court edict for constantly bashing this game. But my number five is number 231 in the rankings, and it's Imperial Settlers. <laughs> a blast from a, a rather boring and horrible past, Ronan. <laughs> wow, well, I don't know. Do we need to say any more? Here's your pack of cards. This is who your nation you're running. This is how you must run them in order to score any points. Thanks. This is like detention. <laughs> Here's another one. This also has a very specific way you must play these, otherwise you won't score any points. That thanks again. Okay. No, no. Imperial settlers, boring, dull, scripted. No, no. It's overrated. I don't know. I don't get it. Do you know, do you, is it people who played it three or four times? They played it a different nation each time and went, oh, okay, this is different, this is different, this is different, this is different. Go back and play the same one again. Oh, it's exactly the same game. How are you rating this highly? I don't know. <laughs> okay, moving swiftly on, because we, we don't want to talk about that one too much again. My number five, and I'm not sure where Ronan landed on this one. I can't remember. It's Inish. From Matago. Huge rating of 7.8 on BGG. Just outside the top 100. 103 is the, the ranking. Oh, I didn't get on with the variety in the action cards. You're playing from the same small set of cards. And you're drafting from the small set of cards all the time. I didn't announce the announce. I didn't like the win conditions where you do announce that you're about to win. I found if that you didn't tedious. announce, that's that's cheating. It probably ruined the game if you didn't announce. <laughs> it probably ruined the game. That yeah. Is that the and I just it was just a bog standard area control game with a bit of a gimmick in that you only had the certain amount of cards to play with, and you kind of had to announce that you were you were about to win and then everyone piles on you and you've got to hold on to what you've got until the end of the round or the next round or whatever it was and I just didn't get on with it. A lot of people didn't like the art, a lot of people did like the art. I was okay with it. I thought it was, it kind of had that Celtic vibe to it but I just couldn't understand the love for this game and it's in that series of like Cyclades and I can't think of the other one, Kemet. And I think it was by far the worst. So that's why I think Inish was overrated. Before we get to Inish, speaking of Celtic art and maps, Brian Baru, have you looked at it? I have seen it. It's very Celtic-y. So, yeah, hiking of Ireland and all the rest of it, it's like a trick-taking thing where mm. you're controlling three different types of settlements on the map of Ireland and you're trying to take certain tricks to, to win in certain suits to control areas. It looks really, really interesting, all right? Do you know what's absolutely driven me insane? Go on. All the settlements are not where there's any where there are any settlements. <laughs> there's oh, absolutely really? no geographical link. Like maybe Dublin's in the right place and like Waterford, <laughs> but when you get across to our area, like there's a, there's a marker right where Westport is now. Westport is, was not there. It didn't exist at the time. It was a planned town from like the 19th century. It's like, you know things like that. That if you knew the area down a little bit south down towards Connemara, there was no town there. They've given not given one damn. 
to what a actual map of Ireland looked like back then. It's just really annoying me. I've got to get over it. I was sniffing at that as a Christmas present for you. I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't pull. No, no, I would love. I know I would take it. I would totally want to play it. It's just the map is really irritating me because of that. Like they were like someone from Osprey Games might tell me they did do research and I'm an idiot, but I don't think they did. It doesn't. Like, those are not where the kings were and stuff, and the different tribal leaders are not where they've put them. And I was just like, oh, a little bit of research, a little bit. Come on. Anyway, back to Inish. I'll get over that. Sure, get over it. It's not on my list. I really like the... Or I learned to love the limited number of cards so that it had the thing of you can sort of anticipate what's going on and you can kind of be aware of what other people might be trying to do and you can plan ahead because you're like, I actually want these certain cards and you might not get them because they might not come around to you and then you've got to adapt to what you're doing. So that ground me a little bit initially, but I learned to love it. But it was very close to my list, and I definitely considered it because of that bash the leader thing, and I hate that in any game. Ain't more pork is one on anti-narking, we would call it, that springs to mind of whereby you're close to winning, I have to stop you. Right now I'm close to winning, so Sean has to stop me. So now Sean's close to winning, so Natalie has to stop Sean, and round and round until someone slips up. Or... I choose to do what I want to do on my terms so that I can get closer to winning the game, whereby everyone else then shouts at me because I've allowed Sean to win because I didn't stop him. And, and that is the most horrible, ridiculous setup, and Inish is all about it. It's literally set up around that idea. Clearly, some people must love that idea, but I absolutely hate it that the game situation dictates that I must play negatively and everyone just starts playing negatively and we're just slid to a slower and slower death spiral until something just drops off the end. And you have a default winner. Not someone who deserved it, because everyone's getting pulled closer and closer together by this weird meta that's going on. So I absolutely hate that, but the rest of the game was just good enough to keep it off my top ten. It's just an inelegant way of finishing the game, isn't it? So um, it's, it's not clever. You can't be sort of sneaky or clever or sort of play play a few bluffs here and there. It's just so obvious in Inish. that, And you, in Inish actually says that you've got to tell people, I'm about to win, <laughs> It just it just smacks of inelegance. What's I can't think of the game now. It's the the Greek gods come back as aliens and space techie aliens when you build up the Lords of Hellas. Lords of Hellas. Remember when we played that in Aircon, and you you sent out a few different things, and you made me think you were going for a certain thing, and then you beat me on the area control because you you were you were clever about it, you were sneaky about it. That's clever. That's a good game because you can send people off on the wrong route. What I actually did was just keep buying you food. <laughs> no, you just kept opening the door to the, where the burger man was. Look, Sean. Oh, God, he's on to me. Someone wants to bring a hot dog, quick. All right, what's your number four? My number four, I felt bad about putting it on the list, only to the effect that it's barely a game. Okay. And I just... Number 251 on the rankings. Western Legends. Ooh. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's like, oh, this is a great sandbox game, man. We get to make up your own stories. I'm not doing anything. There are no actions. There's nothing interesting. I'm just, it's a very limited map with very few options and what I can do. And then the goals of the game themselves are not very interesting. And nothing within the game is creating stories. 
We can all put on cowboy hats, pretend to be cowboys. Let's play a, an Old West role-playing game. If that's what we want to do to make up our own stories within a very loose framework. And we can have fun doing that. And I'd be up for that, actually. And I've got stupid side jobs at the moment, which would fit that quite nicely, really thinking does. about it. Really I really does. do. They're bad. They're bad. Mr. Bumble, they look like, apparently. Okay. <laughs> or, according to my workmate's fat Wolverine, which I thought was particularly mean. But, okay, that one stuck, too. <laughs> but Western, let's talk about my side shots because it's better than Western Legends, which is just nothing. I was so disappointed in this box that has some things that don't do anything. It's not a game. It might not be eligible for this list. I'm going to check. Sure. Yeah, I, I had this game and I got rid of it. It wasn't particularly good. I don't hate it as much as Ronan does. I thought it was. Fine. I can't hate it. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it was fine. It definitely didn't create stories. That that was a complete fallacy. And, and saying it was a sandbox game, yeah, you can go and do everything. But when you can go and do everything out of four choices, it isn't really sandbox, really. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, what it did, it was lower end of medium it was like if i was rating it now it'd be like a 45 or something like that it, it wasn't horrible for me but it wasn't great so i was i was quite keen to move it on once i played it two or three times you're right you're right no, you're number four my number four right i'm picking on the spiel de jarez again and it's the current holder of the spiel de jarez itself and we've talked about it before, so I won't go too long. Micro Macro, Chrome City from Pegasus. Where's Wally the game? It's a novelty at first, but it really does become boring quite quickly. Is it a game or is it an activity? I think it's more of an activity. And, like, you need to have good sight for this. It rules out some people. And I just didn't get the hype. I didn't get the love and the hype. I, I, well, actually, no, that's a lie. I understood it because it was a novelty and it was new and it was innovative. But like, come on, like after you've played your first couple of games, you can't be seriously rating this like a nine or a ten, which some people do. I just don't understand it. So, way overhyped and way overrated for me. Micro macro. I had fun with it as an activity. It worked with different ages. It was a diversion for a while, so it definitely didn't make this list for me. But I can understand you being offended by nines and tens because that would be going a little bit too far. Right. Top three territory for Ronan. What's yours? Okay, I'm going to turn down my headphones now because of your screech that I expect to admit out of you. Because <laughs> the number 33 ranked game in the world, Sean, is shockingly bad and it's called blood rage get out you useless article just because you got beaten you're still sulking after five years you useless creature there you go that's what i've got to say <laughs> any game you can win by directly going against the way you win the game ain't no game brilliant <laughs> it's clever it's not Clever. It's not clever for me to play the game the way to, to play a fighting area control game and win the battles and get control of the area and do what I've been asked to do in the game and then lose because someone drafted a couple of cards. So the 90% of the effort I've put into is completely negated by the 10% of effort and go, oh, I've done badly here. I'm just going to keep all these Loki cards and win anyway. 
Yeah, great. Look at me winning because you're trying to win. What? This is the Parasite. This is the Parasite game. This is the game where Parasites absolutely prosper. And they don't... It doesn't make any sense to me. And if, maybe if it was a slightly different thing. Maybe. But no. Still no. It's so irritating to sit there for two hours, play your best, and then get beaten because someone else went, oh, I can't win, so I'm just going to keep these couple of cards and then I will win. By a completely different method. Rubbish. It's knowing those cards are there and knowing that people are... What can you do about it? Luring you into a battle. What can you do about it, though? If someone's someone's drafting Loki and you're already in a strong board position, right? So if if I thought, oh, they've drafted Loki cards. I can't draft the same cards and they wouldn't work for me anyway because I'm in a strong position, so I wouldn't be able to score so well out of them. So now I'm in a situation of... Wait, 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 wait. So now I'm in a situation of... If I attack to score some points, they'll score more points than me. If I don't attack, I can't score any points. So I have nothing positive now I can do. There's nothing I can do to actually accelerate me towards winning this game. Because nothing works. Because they've taken a couple of cards. No, there is. You either you don't engage with them, and that completely ruins their turn, because they are putting all their put eggs in But one it ruins basket. my turn. It ruins my turn. Uh, wait, You've, there are also cards that give you double points for winning battles and things like that. So, therefore, you will get more out of winning those battles and you play those cards. Ha-ha, I knew you had the Loki card. It's all about that battle of wits. It's not a battle of wits. The battle of wits is trying to play the game to win. This is about the battle of, ah, I'm going to be a scabby bastard and score some points out of your efforts. But our rage is horrible. It's just absolutely... It anyway. gives me such a sour taste. Move on. You're number three. <laughs> okay. Moving on. And I think Ronan's a little bit on board with this one, so we're not going to get the argument. It's Horrified and Ravensburger. <sighs> very, very obvious choices. Uh, the random NPCs in the game just either make it or break it. If you've got to interact with them or escort them somewhere or do something with them, they just appear in random places and go random places and it, it either makes it harder or easier, just for no fault of your own. It gets too much love because of the theme. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people love that theme of those old, like Frankenstein and vampire, the old sort of golden age of cinema uh, movie monsters. It's too simple, too random, and I just don't understand the love for Horrified. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't see it getting that much love. You're really picking on mass market games, though, aren't you? You're really going after... <laughs> these are the games that got me in the hobby and they've changed my life so I made loads of friends out of them. Sean's just hating those people. <laughs> it's 159. 159 in the BGG rankings with a 7.8 average. Yes, it's, it's, I, I, we said it, I, I've reviewed it, that the map's too small and that all of a sudden mon- any monster can appear from anywhere and just get up in your grill and there's nothing much you can do about it. Yeah, I didn't even feel the theme. But some of the cards with the map, other than that, I didn't really feel the theme either. You're right, I, I don't love Horrified. I, again, compared to mouse market games, yeah, great game. Compared to its peers, not a great game. Cool, right. What is your number two, Ronan? I'm excited. Ranked number 37 and 
I can presume only <laughs> on the back of its two siblings because this was a horrific, negative, confusing, and ultimately massively disappointing gaming experience is Pandemic Legacy Season 2. <laughs> season 1, genius. One of my favourite games of all time. I played through it twice, loved it. All sorts of tension. You can see what you're trying to do. It's got twists and turns. Season 2, sit there in the complete dark, making decisions which will affect you in five games' time with no idea whether they're positive or negative. By the way, you will lose games of this, and you have got no choice. And some of the games you lose are going to be much more punishing than some of the other games you could lose, but you don't know which ones are more punishing. So we're just going to randomly hit you very hard or not quite so hard. And you don't really know. So as a group of people who are trying to make decisions and have some agency within Pandemic Legacy Season 2, you have no idea what your priorities are. You have no idea what you're actually trying to do. The thing of Season 1 is you'd already played Pandemic and it has very similar patterns. So when they're trying to mix things up and throw in surprises, you already have context and a framework in which, well, I know what I'm trying to do. Now, further down the line, it twists things up and there's shocks, but I don't, I'm still grounded. I, I know what's vaguely what's going on. In Season 2, they just completely cast you adrift. And they've tried to capture this idea of, of this, this mystery outside of where you're beginning. You've got to work it all out. There's just not enough clues and hints. And it gets really, really difficult. And things start coming across. And you're like, I'm very, very limited in what I can do here. And some games are incredibly short. And you've just been punched around and you're out. And you're not having fun. And I just think that my game of it, my campaign of it, took a sour turn and we never recovered that's possible so then it became a spiral but if that's there is possible that you can start spiraling the campaign that's poor design and uh i just compared to it to season one this is an absolute massive step down and how it's ranked number 37 i have no idea pandemic legacy season two no. you you kind of put me off this one but i did feel at the time it it came out very quickly for the amount of work that went into sort of the original Pandemic Legacy, the years and years and years, and this one came out very quickly behind it, and it just it just kind of smacked like they were bringing it out because it was hot and they needed to get this one out quickly, and was it going to be as good? And uh, a lot of people are saying it wasn't. So, yeah, cool. I'm staying away. You should. My number two, uh, the reason I didn't talk about it very much, Ronan, was because it's Imperial Settlers from Portal. And just very quickly, reading off my notes, nearly unplayable at three or four, because you have no idea what's going on around the table. Everything's so bickle and tiny. You People could be making stuff up, they could be lying, whatever. Very, very difficult to see. Even with two players, it's hard to see. Interaction depends on knowing what others are doing. So therefore, my first point... Kind of ruins the game, doesn't it? Because you need to know what everyone's doing. Huge luck factor. The factions feel unbalanced. Some cards are overpowered. And it's, again, too easy to gang up on the perceived leader. Just a mess, a mess of a game. I just don't understand the love for this at all. Even that Empires of the North, when it came out, the card game... It was a little bit better in that you could tell what people were doing a little bit better, but it was still a mess of a game and I didn't like it at all. So I'm out on these and I don't understand people who rate them highly. 
I'm with you. <laughs> I had a good strong feeling for that one. <laughs> I wasn't sure if we get any crossovers, but we've got one. It might, might just be one. <laughs> because I don't think you've... I don't know if you've ever played my number one. But it's ranked number 13, Sean. That is on a slow, slow decline, which happens over years for older games. Eric Martin did a very good post about this, about why newer games are fire up, higher up the rankings. Anyway, whatever. It was number one for a long time. It's still highly rated. It's got an app that's very popular, and it's Twilight Struggle. There's a lot good about Twilight Struggle. It tells a narrative. It's got the historical background to it. You feel like you're a player in geo-global politics. It's got an annoying thing whereby the game is structured and certain cards will come out at certain times and certain actions are completely useless prior to certain cards being either played or discarded. So you need to learn those cards. You need to know that. I don't know what it is, but there's no point putting military in Romania or whatever because there's a card that will take out all military in Romania plus it will do something else if you've got military in Romania. That's just an example. That's probably not a real one. So... There's a learning aspect to it, which is a bit old-fashioned and a bit like when you first play it, if someone else knows those cards, they will just absolutely destroy you because you're just doing stupid moves. Not from what's the current board state, because you couldn't know that they were not good moves, but from the fact that you don't know what's in the deck. Okay, that in itself is, is a feature I don't love. But what really, really gets me and becomes more of an issue the better you know the game and the more evenly matched the opponents are is that Sean in this long card driven strategic game that you have to learn the strategy of and learn the pattern of a lot of major turning points and the closer you are in skill the more important these turning points are are done on the roll of a d6 literally just the roll of a d6 did you roll a 4, 5, 6? no oh Oh, mate, that's really... That last hour of yours has just been wasted. What? This is the mechanism to decide this great grand strategy game that everyone has been loving for 15 years. A roll of a D6. A few rolls. It doesn't happen a lot. Just a few rolls here and there, and they have major, major repercussions. I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. I can't believe that's one of the turning points of Twilight Struggle. And I will never get over that. And no matter how much I would or would not like the fact that you must learn the deck and that your play is kind of scripted to a point because those cards like sort of hinge and decide how things are going to go on the board, which I find annoying in itself. But then to come to the role of a D6 for major decisions in the game is absolutely unacceptable. This is pure nostalgia or app play because Twilight Struggle taking two hours or whatever is an absolute waste of everyone's time and is just not a good game. Overrated massively and always has been my number one overrated game, Twilight Struggle. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. I haven't played it. I, I owned it for a little bit. I just never had the inkling or the the time to sort of put aside to learn it and it does feel very much like one of those games that are just there because they it was top of the bgg rankings for so long and people just keep it rated highly because at one stage it was close to their heart so i wonder if it's even still a great game but there you go ronan doesn't like it's it it's not so. don't wonder it's not I told you. <laughs> so ronan doesn't like it so i'm probably gonna love it so i'm not gonna buy it again 
Roland, my apologies. I know you don't like it when I bring up the same game over and over again, but I have to. And my number one is The Mind. And I've gone on about this game so many times from Pandasaurus and many other publishers. This is not a game. No, you did not forge a psychic link with somebody else. It's an activity in random guessing or cheating. It's completely beatable if you cheat. Awful experience. Awful. Just terrible. It's not... It's. I don't understand any love for this. It's not that particularly highly rated. I just don't understand anyone picking up this game and saying, oh, that was such a good experience. No, it wasn't. It was awful. Moving on. You're right. <laughs> but it's only ranked number six hundred and eighty-five. It's only look. got a six point. It's got a six point eight eight average rating. It's only high, that high up because it's been twenty-two thousand votes because it's been played by a lot of people. Yeah, so I'm not sure it is overrated. I think it got support from people at cons because if you've whatever it's getting late in the evening, and you're feeling social. It would be something funny to play in certain circumstances and you know you'd be laughing about it and you go to bed you'd be like oh we're a really good time that that end of night camaraderie let's pop an eight or nine on that bad boy and then people got that out of cons it's, it's one of those warning signs for sort of for people coming to the hobby don't always follow the buzz out of cons because it's a very particular environment in which those games are getting played and these quicker funnier oh, I've had a laugh playing that, but I never need to play it again, tend to get high ratings coming out of them. And I think that's what happened with The Mind. And when it's gone to a much bigger audience, and it has gone to a much, much bigger audience, yes, some people still love it. That's cool. I hear people saying, oh, whatever. Anyone can love any game you like. But the vast majority of ratings further on down the line have been much lower, and its rating is getting pulled yeah. down and down and down. The but for me, gets. this is a one. Because I can't wow. give it a zero. Right? So this, for me, this is a one. Oh. So the discrepancy oh. between the rating that is NBGG to my rating is the largest. So for me, this is the most overrated game on my list. That's a one, huh? It actually angers me, this game. People go, oh, yeah, I just forced a psychic link with that, that fellow over there. No, you didn't. You get what just number read was each coming next. They read each other's body language and they really like clicked <laughs> either they're twitching every time you should lay a card which is cheating or you don't know you're guessing and the thing about it is to actually play it properly you have to sit there in stone cold silence not moving yeah. at all That's apart what, from yeah. to go play a card and when you go to play a card you must fully go to play a card not sort of twitch and sort of oh I'm gonna ooh what do you think yeah, I don't know yeah, and all that because that's cheating if you go to play a card you got to play it and Maybe that's getting too obsessed with the rules, but I, I agree with you. I really had a horrible time playing this, and I got shouted at for something that I thought was reasonable. And I'm just like, "What are you shouting at me for, man? You don't know what cards are mine. I don't know what cards in your hand, bro." It's like to to think that there are bad plays in the mind is beyond. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, cool. I don't ever need to play it again. Thanks for your time. It's, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy anything about it. I tried it a few times, and it was just, "What is this nonsense?" I just sat there laughing. Look, people just laughing whether they thought I was having a good time I don't know but I wasn't it was a it was the laughter of a man in bedlam is what that was I, I I didn't predict that many of your games actually I knew Pandemic Legacy Season 2 and I predicted Blood Rage other than that you, you, you shocked me a few times 
I like to keep it real. We've got to keep things fresh, sure. We can't get bored <laughs> with each other, you know. Uh, oh, well, that was quite cathartic. I, I reckon it's probably going to be quite annoying to listen to. Oh, there's definitely, we're definitely going to get a, a, a few complaints. And fair, fair, fair play to you. If, you. if you think we're completely wrong, tell us, by all means. <laughs> we did come up that Imperial Settlers is like the worst game that was ever made ever, apparently. There you go, yeah, it is the worst game ever made. Most of us <laughs> I had so, again, we talked about this recently, like when you go in with higher hopes and your feelings going in to doing anything watching a film playing a game like bond like bond you like that i brought it back to <laughs> that's circular that is sure there you go then it does have an impact on how you feel i went into imperial settlers the very first time i i backed it i think on kickstarter i certainly rushed to get it in essen and i was really excited it was top of my list for that year's essen and then playing it i I was crestfallen. <laughs> I was just so disappointed. Oh my god! What? I can't play this game because I don't know what you're doing unless I go up and walk around to the other side of the table and ask you, like, how are you doing? What you're doing? And then what have you got this? And what have you got this? Ah, oh, just no. Yeah. Anyway, we we talked about that too much. It's very irritating that game. I hate to see your crest droop. So <laughs> right. when when you're around, they're perky. <laughs> right we think we think next time it's going to be us two reviewing games maybe yes it should be I've certainly got a few games on my list that I've been playing quite a lot and uh, I really haven't Ronan's got to catch up because he's been holding the fort down while I've been off gallivanting and doing nothing <laughs> holding the fort down on a board game podcast without playing board games has been admittedly tricky a little bit a little bit but you've done well fair play to you thank you thank you it's been lovely to have you back I mean, I saw you two days ago. It's not like I've missed you, but to have you back on the podcast is lovely. It's been lovely to, to be a guest on your show. <laughs> <laughs> the rope it. Oh, God. Hold on, I'm writing that, that down. No, that sounded quite... That, that doesn't sound good. That sounds exotic and enticing. <laughs> Welcome to my rope it. Well, you better lead us out, <laughs> rope it. Uh, I don't know. What do I usually say? Uh, thanks, thanks, Sean. Thank you, Ronan. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Game Pit Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Head to dicetower.com or Dice Tower and all sorts of channels, and you will get gaming content galore. More gaming content than you could believe. Individual cards of games broken down, Sean, in top tens. Can you believe that level Individual of content? Individual cards. There you go. That's something. You can join us on the BGG Guild. We are most active on Twitter, but you can look us up on other social media platforms if you want to. And if you want to have a chat with us or you've got any ideas for top tens or anything you want us to talk about, we are available, thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time on The Game Pit. Music by E. Aaron. Disappointed, overrated boy.